This is Heritage Woman Ty Jackson with Worldview Wellness and the Beef Initiative. June has asked me to circle the wagon and revisit what has unfolded so far with the journey of the Heritage Woman in our story. June, it is an honor to be asked to continue to enlighten folks with the harrowing tale of our food history and the effects of it from the soil to our soul. In the first episode, we explored the history of modern food deception and its effects on our society. We visited a Memphis, Tennessee hat store and fixed Slim Stetson. While there, we learned about Ansel Keys, an American physiologist whose diet recommendations some 60 years ago changed the way we look at food and the health of our nation has never been the same. This food psyop has pushed our society away from clean meat and good high fats to low fat diets and vegetarianism based on a false moral choice. We also learned about the Brazilian cattle drive and how U.S. beef is being shipped to foreign lands. Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle shows us the redemption of meat with his new processing plant in Texas. This is Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle, and I approve of this message. On the second episode, we took a trip to June's hometown of Philadelphia. We heard June's story, his mom's heartbreaking journey, and women's dreams of a better life. But where does that better life start? June explains his feelings about beef and how terrible it was when his mom made Salisbury steak for him for the first time. June has learned to perfect that once-hated dish and just how much clean meat can change our health. Then, Ann Warren with Holy Cow Beef and Slim talk about the rise of disease, metabolic bankruptcy, new fake commodities, and American steak becoming the new caviar. Now, we're going to learn how to point our compass back to the mother, the children, the home, and explain just how a heritage woman cares about and nurtures the health of her family from soil to soul. We're going to hear from Bitcoin Coco and her children. Ann Warren from Holy Cow Beef drops by again. And Cole Bolton gets us prepped for the opening of the first Beef Initiative Processing and Distribution Center. You are listening to Episode 3 of Bitcoin and the Sovereign Rancher, The Rise of the Heritage Woman, Part 2. Fix the money, fix the food. This is Ty Jackson for Texas Slims Media. Pregnancy, imminent delivery. Patient is 27 years old. That's all we know right now. Every hour. Sounds like you're getting there. All right. Is it time? We think so. Congratulations. Don't be a hero. Get the epidural. We'll see. She'll get it. You're about ready to pop. Shouldn't I be the judge of that? Is this time for real? We should have been here a few hours ago. We were. Whoa, 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 whoa. Precious moments snatched from their hands, leaving some families at odds with their doctors. We're taking your baby and we're calling DCFS. Remember these sweet moments? Where's your nose? Children grow up so fast. Where's Glory? There she is. <laughs> Angela and Brian Bauer won't ever forget what they missed. I have one picture of Glory in the hospital. This is that snapshot. Just minutes after her birth, Silver Cross Hospital nurses took Glory away. I don't have a picture of me with her. Um, it was just really traumatic. 
Glory was healthy, but gone for at least 12 hours, they say. In the hospital room instead, a caseworker from Illinois' Department of Children and Family Services. It wasn't a happy time for us because it was full of fear and the unknown. The Bowers had made the unpopular decision to refuse newborn eye ointment called erythromycin. They also said no to the vitamin K shot. The American Academy of Pediatrics calls vitamin K an indicator of future parental health care decision-making behavior. They tell us to vaccinate ourselves endlessly and boost ourselves, even though that single strategy has failed, is failing, and will continue to fail. It must stop. Many died because of the lockdowns. We must never give our politicians, our governments, the emergency powers of Coco, let's talk about home birth and why you decided to venture down that road. Okay. Well, I guess my life experiences have led me to become an outspoken home birth advocate. Um, And when I say home birth advocate, I, I really mean out of hospital birth. So either home birth or, uh, a birth center birth where the mother is in control of what happens <laughs> essentially uh, more in control than than when you go to a hospital um and my experiences that that have led me to this um well first my mom gave birth naturally to my brother and my sister and I. I have a twin sister. And so she was full term, gave birth naturally. She didn't do home births, but um, you know, the the fact that she did them naturally was really um, empowering for me just just to know that. Um, So it gave me this, this strength in knowing that I could do it. And I think a lot of women you know, question whether they can give birth naturally, uh, which is, to me, uh, uh, kind of ridiculous because that's that's our purpose, right? Um, so my sister gave birth twice before I got to experience um, birth myself, and one was in the hospital, the first one, with our cousin who was a doula, and the second one was a home birth, a water birth, actually, with a midwife and a doula. Um, so I saw the differences between those two births, and they were like night and day. Well, explain and, to me, Coco, really quickly what a doula is and what their purpose is. What what functions do they perform during a home birth? So a doula is a professional labor assistant who provides physical and emotional support to you and your partner during pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. And so they technically are not medically trained, um, although they know medical jargon and are experienced in um, in kind of seeing, you know, if if doctor uh, if you're having a hospital birth, if you have a doula as your birth assistant, they are trained to identify um, what could possibly be, uh, you know the doctor trying to do some sort of medical intervention that you don't want. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, doulas are great. And that's, you know, and I saw that firsthand with my sister um, and our cousin as her doula. And I saw how, you know, she was just 
she was there making sure everything was going exactly how my sister wanted it to go. Um, and then the midwife is the healthcare provider who is medically trained. And so they do obstetric, uh, obstetric care, uh, gynecological services, um, including primary care, prenatal, um, routine gynecological care before and after exams. Um, they can prescribe medication. Um, and then also midwives, um, they can be nur nurse midwives, so they can be trained in both um, areas and can have admitting privileges to hospitals if you have to be admitted, um, if, you know, your home birth isn't going as planned. So really, if you choose to give birth at home and you have a midwife and a doula there, all of your bases are covered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if, if you, you have to make sure that you, you are a candidate for home birth. And what I mean by this is that there's once you find a midwife that you like um, and they do your blood work and stuff like that, they'll figure out if there's any contraindications, which means if there's any red flags that would tell them that um, you are high risk or low risk. Um, and so there's different, um, markings for that. And I don't exactly know all those markings, but if you're low risk, um, and you want to get, and you're healthy and your baby's healthy, um, then yeah, then home birth is absolutely an option. And, and, and then birthing center would be kind of in between home birth and the hospital birth, but more uh, pointed at giving the mother and, and the family the kind of birth that they want, which is usually, which is a natural, natural birth without pharmaceuticals or um, medical interventions like surgery. What was your experience like, Coco? Did you get the natural birth that you wanted? Yeah, so I had natural, I, I did two natural births, one at home and one in the hospital. Um, so the first one, uh, it went fairly smoothly. I wanted to give birth in the water, but <laughs> we had other plans. Um, so I had to actually get out of the tub and allow gravity to help bring the baby down. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, he was delivered naturally and, um, it was at, actually at my mom's house because we lived more rural and so my midwife was really good at uh, identifying, well, this is your first birth, so it might be better if we were a little bit closer to the hospital. And so she suggested a birthing center, but my mother said, you know, why don't we just have you give birth here at my house, which was two minutes away from the hospital, if anything went wrong. Okay, um, now we're going to do our ABCs. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go. A, B, C, D, E, F, T, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Coco, why do you believe in homeschooling instead of public school? So my homeschooling journey has been kind of interesting. And the reason I say that is because I, 
really just started homeschooling this year. Um, we did a little bit during the lockdown um, two years ago. And um, we've done, before that, our oldest child was in a Montessori school. And we loved it. Um, where we moved to last year, that wasn't an option. We decided to, for, I'd say for the sake of uh, social interaction, we decided to put our kids in the local public school. What we quickly realized is that that was not fostering their individual spirits. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we would pick them up, they would be upset, um, energetically off. Uh, we couldn't really get, because children have a very hard time articulating how they're feeling sometimes, we couldn't really get to the bottom of what that was all about. What we found out a little bit later is that my eldest child was being bullied and the school was doing nothing about it. And this is a story that, that happens to a lot of families. Um, but it wasn't just those kind of interactions that was causing anxiety and fear in my child. It was just the whole government school system and how they try to fit everybody in one box. All the children have to learn a certain way and do things a certain way. And not all children are the same and not all children learn the same. That's right. And, and so as we learned a little bit more about homeschooling and, and really, you know, we were led there um, spiritually, we were being led to, to making that, that decision. And um, I had my own fears about homeschooling and what that meant. And primarily just from hearing from, you know, my sister talking about how difficult it was for her. And so I had to really think about what it, what it would mean for our family to be able to homeschool. And, and for me personally, I had to be dedicated to that. So when my son was, <laughs> was, getting out of school and, and just seeing the negative behaviors resulting from that, the, the sadness, the fear, the anxiety. Um, when we would get to school every day, he'd be like, no, I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. So that, that was, that was like, okay, I, I have to listen to this. Cause if, if I'm not listening to this, this is going to create something potentially negative um, in, in the, the spirit of my child. Let me, because I'm capable, let me try the homeschooling and let me see what it's all about and, and give it my honest try. So I decided to start researching. I decided to um, really figure it out um, because I owed it to myself and I owed it to my children to do that. Um, and also, with government schools, I believe there 
is certain propaganda that conditions our children into believing certain things. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't want strangers brainwashing my children into believing certain things, especially things like they are not worthy of this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. And so my children are learning in a spiritual setting at home where it's comfortable. We have an organized morning where we do homeschooling for several hours and then some in the afternoon. And it's on our time. It's at our leisure. It's what my children want to do so they have choice so they're given choice it's 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 kind of like self-paced uh self-discovery there's more excitement in learning things um and and really i mean the possibilities are endless coco i love what you said when you mentioned that you you knew you had to listen to your son it's so important that we listen to our children. I know women who have joined the work for the workforce just to get away from their kids. And something that that as heritage women, we want to encourage other women to see their children as their first best destiny, as their first best destiny, as their first best vegetables. Come on, sweetie. Guess they were ready to come off, huh? Oh, probably because it was so windy yesterday. That's a bum deal. We can have fried green tomatoes. I'm just going to taste a little different. Hey, look at this one. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, oh that's a pickled big one. That one's ready to go. If they're rotten like that, oh. let's not put them in because, you know, it's, you see the hole? Mm -hmm. Somebody's been having some lunch. <laughs> so we'll just leave it out here for them to munch, munch, munch. Oh. 
there on the body. So close that. Guys, what a treat to get a peek into Coco's rich homeschooling lifestyle. Now let's hear from Ann Warren, because after listening to that beautiful montage of Coco's life with her children in the garden and at the grill, Ann wants to reflect on her own memories of homeschooling and why rich, nutrient-dense soil is such an important part of nurturing and nourishing the soul. Take it away, Ann. Hi, guys. It's Ann. I wanted to talk really quickly about... Um, the connection between the soil we've talked a lot about, and you've heard our ranchers talk about regenerative soil and how important it is for the soil to produce healthy grasses for our cattle to graze. Um, and then the cattle can in turn uh, nourish us. And so, um, but I, what I loved about listening to Coco uh, t- harvesting tomatoes with her kids in her garden um, is is the connection between, and it's a tangible connection, from the soil to the soul. Remember, as a woman, it's so important that we continually push character education because a handshake should mean a lot. It should be what deals are made from and made on, and it should be um, a sustainable relationship. But But it's not if you don't have character. So when you work to build your soil, teach your children how important that is to make the soil healthy is very similar to making their soul healthy. Their soul needs to be um, filled with character, filled with godly characters. Um, A gentleman, a little, a young man should learn to open the door for his sister. He should learn to um, protect her, that he's the man and the man is the protector of the home. Um, And she should learn to um, be loving, kind, and sweet to her brother. So anyways, those, that's just food for thought. It's a very tangible connection of making your soil so rich that it feeds your family beautiful organic produce and awesome grass for our cattle to graze. And that and the truth of building your own soul in the Word of God so that um, we can ultimately uh, learn to know Him, love Him, and serve Him. Um, and that pertains to our entire family, too. God bless y'all. Have a great day. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and uh, hit record here, here in a sec. Uh, right, I figured you did when you answered. That's why I was <laughs> No, it was good. Well, what we've got to, we finally found, uh, came into the legacy uh, of being able, in the luxury, I guess, is to have where we can edit these damn things. So that's good. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, okay. So um, I'm going to go ahead and go through this and if I pick up, don't worry about it, because I can go back and record all this. But if I can get this in one take, we'll do it. And it'll give okay. you time to kind of frame everything, what you're going to say, because I will ask you a question after the second paragraph. Let's just try that. And then uh, let's make it fun and, you know, not too scripted. And it's okay if we fuck up. We can pause. But uh, we'll just go for it. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to start. Three, two, one. Hey everyone, Texas Slim here. June, Ty, this journey y'all are taking us on is a powerful representation of what it means to be a sovereign individual, and it's beautiful. You're presenting the other side of this initiative, the part that goes when the cameras are off. 
We talk a lot about I Am Texas Slim, about the observable science of sound health, but what you are building here actually shows what's truly happening. You're teasing the imagination into anyone who can't hear us yet, and you're showing exactly how this new sovereign-based international lifestyle we're talking about works. Now, June, I heard you on Bitcoin Kindergarten, and you were talking about the need for a new mythology and basically the importance of oral history. You said our society needs new heroes. I can't agree with you more. That's where the beef initiative comes in. I'm sitting here talking with Cole Bolton right now, and it's less than a week away until the cattlemen's kill it and grill it in the basically the cattlemen's feast. For those who don't know, let me explain to you what this event marks. In partnership with KNC Cattle, the Beef Initiative has full access to our first independently established and run USDA processing facility in the state of Texas. We're getting ready to feed a nation, Cole. How are you feeling about this partnership? What does it mean to you? What does it actually mean to the future of the nation's food supply? What do you think, Cole? Well, I think the partner partnership is just a perfect alignment between uh, a very strong, outgoing personality like yourself and a guy like me that likes to be in the background and uh, really wants to focus on producing high-quality beef uh, at a local level and be able to, to nutritionally explain all the different cuts of beef, um, help families secure a healthy food supply, and kind of be that boots on the ground type person. I'm just halfway maniacal enough that uh, I wanted to take it a step further. And, and uh, I had a great partner behind me uh, with uh, Two Bar C Ranch, Mr. Clyde Summerlotti, and we decided, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna build this processing plant because as our partnership with KNC and the Beef Initiative grew, our demand grew, and then instantaneously, you know, it, it really, really grew. And there were no facilities that. Uh, could really support that type of growth and um, I see other local farmers producers ranchers wanting to do this and they're having the same struggles getting uh, booking dates so you know it, it's just our style in Texas you've got to go big or go home so we uh, we designed engineered and built a facility to where we kind of say we're a we're a big small facility probably one of the biggest small facilities around, or at least I know within 120 miles. Uh, we can harvest a whole lot of beef and pork as well and other animals. Um, and with that, we can now, not that we haven't been taking our product nationwide, but now I can focus on really driving those costs, getting our shipping platform more effective, more cost efficient, so that we can get uh, this good Texas beef into more and more uh, mouths, both locally and nationwide. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think uh, whenever you, you know, people don't even really, they can drive by a processing plant, Cole, and they wouldn't even recognize it, right? One thing that you guys did, you and Clyde, is you look at the logistics and how you uh, strategically put it basically close to an uh, interstate, close to basically um, cities that matter in Texas for distribution, and that was really damn smart. And uh, so the planning, I know it's been over two years, 
but let's talk about, okay, the execution, what we just went through. You went through some pains, but that's one thing that we should probably highlight as far as the difficulty in getting these things open and the transition that requires uh, basically people to understand and hopefully respect as far as whenever you're sourcing basically the best beef in the world in the state of Texas through KNC cattle, what you're doing is you're getting that value and what it does is it you're okay with basically creating that relationship and then guarantee the way you built out this facility, the location you put it, you were thinking exactly just that. Yeah. You know, for me, for anyone that knows me personally and for any, you know, a, a beef initiative followers that have, that have been able to hear us on podcasts together, you know, one thing that I am very anal retentive of, um, is customer service. I built KNC cattle on customer service. We've built a beef initiative platform on customer service. So this little glitch is we were going into our plant. Um, it has drove me up a wall nuts. You know, there've been times where we were two, three weeks behind in product and it wasn't because we couldn't support that growth. It was because I also had the processing plant with 30 new employees, you know, other than my prime book, you know, our, our head butchers know nothing about meats. Well, I'm needing them to cut at the same speed as I was using plants that have been in production for years and years and years. And we had a learning curve and, uh, I don't take those things lightly. Um, we were, you know, my KNC team, they were coming to Luling. And for those that don't know from Luling to our ranch, it's about 45 minutes. And so we're driving back and forth all day, taking product, trying to get it frozen. Uh, usually takes, you know, 14 to 24 hours on average uh, to get it hard frozen so that we can ship it. That's been one of the biggest challenges. Um, I've been working. I get to the plant at 5 o'clock every morning. I'm, uh, you know, working there, going to KNC, taking care of about 2,000 head of cattle. Plus, my full-time job is still working at the bank. And then I go back to the plant. I try to get home right now about midnight, 1 o'clock every day. I'm burning it all ends to get that customer service back to where we built our reputation. Uh, and it was just a small turn glitch. We're almost out of it. But uh, thank y'all for being patient. I hope people understand we weren't jerking their chain or giving them just some kind of a crap gimmick online because that's not at all what we were doing. We're really trying to hone in a system that no other plant um, is really can perform at that level of that quality. Uh, and then also deliver our own ranch product directly to your door so that you know where it comes from and you're guaranteed to get that same experience time in, time out again. Yeah, one thing that Cole, I mean, you, you've handled everything. This this uh, this whole situation has been world class, and I, I want everybody to know out there as well that you know the amount of uh, work and uh, versatility that has gone into your life this whole year, ever since we've been working together, has been amazing. So I think everybody's responses have been very understanding. Uh, we're always going to iterate within the Beef Initiative and KNC Cattle. We're going to bring you the best damn beef in the world. We're going to give you market access to something that you've never had before. You know, going through these 
pain points, it's kind of good to do it together because we grow together. Because what we're going to do now is we're really going to start educating people on what it means to be a true cattleman in in these days and times. And a lot of that is true education of the cow itself, the cuts of the cow, the shipping, the distribution, the market access that people are creating for themselves. So well done, Cole. Uh, I say what we're going to do now. I don't know, man. Um, it's kind of almost time for this episode three to come out, and it's right before the cattlemen's kill it and grill it. The this episode of the Bitcoin and the Sovereign Rancher. Well, it's just the start, and actually Saturday on November fifth, we're going to be in Luling, Texas. Everybody, get your butt to Luling, Texas, for the cattlemen's kill it and grill it. We got a story behind that. We got a story behind our partnership, and we got a story that we're going to let you know about the future. So it's time to cowboy and cowgirl up. We're great getting ready to feed a nation again. And uh, Cole, man, I really appreciate this friendship, this partnership. Let's go do this shit. Man, it's, uh, it's my pleasure just the same, sir. I'm looking forward to it. Hope to see everybody there. All right, Cole, man. You get your ass home, get some rest. We've got some work to do tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. Take care, Cole.